Welcome to Souls Harbor's weekly podcast. We believe that God has called us to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, help them grow to be like Jesus, and involve them in reaching lost people. Listen now to this week's message. If you have your Bibles this morning, grab them and uh, turn with me to the book of Hebrews. We're going to be in Hebrews 11, Jeremiah 29, and Daniel 1 this morning. Now, I normally, I'm just going to tell you all, and you probably know this, I normally preach from a lot of notes. I'm just, that's the way God put me together. I like notes. I very rarely preach um, extemporaneously, which is just to say off the cuff. This morning is going to be a little bit more that way, um, which is not to say that there hasn't been a lot of time put into this sermon. Uh, I just felt like it was not the way God wanted me to go this morning, heavy on notes. Uh, so I'm going to preach a message. It's entitled, Not My Home. Not My Home. And I want to start with this idea this morning. And I, you all, are, what are you looking at your iPad for? I do have some notes, just not what I normally have, okay? Um, just so you're aware. Not My Home. I find that um, age has a way of adjusting perspective. I don't know if you all have experienced this, but wisdom's a piece of it, life experience is a piece of it, but just having lived more history, I think, is a piece of it. I am 54 years old. I was born in 1966, which for some of you makes you think, wow, he's really old, and for some of you think he's just a kid. It's all relative, right? It, it really is just all relative. Um, Every one of you, I'm going to guess, you have something in your past, in your, your uh, history, that is like your first really big memory. For, for some, probably um, more in the next service maybe, the first memory that you really have big like, like, like world memory is going to be, the, there's probably some maybe the election of Donald Trump will be their first world memory. I, I mean, that's hard to believe, but, but yeah, that's the truth. Um, probably more in this group, there might be some of you that your first memory might have been the 2008 uh, economic collapse. That, that is like your first big world memory. For some of you here, I have no doubt it would have been 9-11, um, the fall of the towers. Any, anybody, that's like your first really, that's the one that just sticks out in your mind. I'm, I'm just uh, a few. Okay, so we're like Kim and Jer's generation are there. All right. Um, some of you... It would be uh, the fall of the Berlin Wall. Anybody, that's like your first world memory? All right, yeah. Uh, for me, um, it, was, it was the winding down of the Vietnam War. I was about, it officially ended in 75, but in like 72, I was six. So I kind of had this memory. I was six. I had no awareness of really what it was, except it was really, a lot of people were dying, and it was really bad, and that was a six-year-old getting that from the TV. It, those things weren't really, we just didn't talk about them in my house, so it wasn't like something I picked up from my parents. So it was the end, it was the winding down at the end of the Vietnam War. That's my first memory, and then right in there was the resignation of Richard Nixon. What a great way to come into the world, right? Don't think that won't mess with you. Some, some, some of you, um, some of you, it was probably similar. It was the Korean War. Anybody here, like your first, earliest memories were, were the end, end or beginning of the Korean War? Anybody fall into that category? How about World War II? 
If anybody remembers World War I, we need to honor you this morning, okay? I don't think we have anybody there. Um, the Great Depression, we could go back that. But, but all of those things, I say all of those things to say that our, our history matters. And we're living in a day and an age right now. Anybody here feel like you look around and you think, man, this is not my country anymore? Does that resonate with anybody in this room? And it's easy to fall in. And God gave me three things to, to really say this morning. And this is the first one. It's easy to think it's worse now than it's ever been and nothing's gotten better. And in a lot of ways, I get that. But a lot of that is, a lot of that is based on our limited view of history, I think. So I'll just give you an example. Racism is a big deal right now in America, and and somewhat rightly so. And we're told that we're a racist nation by some and whatever. But, you know, we got a lot of room to work in a lot of areas in America, right? But some of you remember the 1950s and the 1940s, and you remember when a black person in America couldn't drink out of the same water fountain or use the same bathroom as a white person. Thank God we've, we've grown, right? Um, so, some of you maybe, maybe vaguely remember the day when women couldn't vote. When did women get the vote? 19, am I remembering this right? 19, I'm not remembering this. I wasn't there. History. 1920s? Is that right? 1920s? Some of you help me out. Yeah. There was a time when women couldn't vote in America. Um. There was a time we interned Japanese-Americans, World War II. They were put into intern camps just because they had a Japanese heritage. It's easy to think that things have not gotten any better in any way, shape, or form, but I think we have to be careful with that because there are ways that we have seen improvement, we have seen growth. You know, I, I, get, I, I, I look around at our political system and our politics and our people running for office. Anybody get frustrated? Anybody get tired of watching the news? It's like, man, I, I, you don't even know what to believe. You don't even know what's true anymore. It's like, if I go to the right, I get spin. If I go to the left, I get spin. If I go to the middle, I get, I, I'm just constantly nauseous because all I ever get is spin, right? I mean, that's the world. It seems like that, that feels like that's the world that we live in, and, it, and it's easy to think it's worse than it's ever been. And I, I've been reading um, a lot of American history here for the last couple of years, and I'm in the middle of this Alexander Hamilton book right now. And the last two or three weeks, um, maybe it was, uh, maybe it's coincidence, maybe it's foreordained, I don't know. But I've been reading about Alexander Hamilton, who was the first um, U.S. Treasury Secretary. His fight with Thomas Jefferson, who was the first uh, uh, treasurer of state. Secretary of state, thank you. Man, those guys did not like each other. Now listen, they didn't have social media, so you know what they did? There's no joke. I've, I've been reading this. I've been just shaking my head thinking, people are just messed up in all times. They each had a newspaper. They each, they each had, one had a left newspaper, one had a right newspaper, one had a Federalist newspaper. It was the Federalists and the Republicans in those days. Jefferson was a Republican. Uh, Hamilton was a Federalist. Jefferson was big on southern states and states' rights and, 
and uh, an agrarian society, and we need to be farmers, and Hamilton was big on the cities, and we need to have a modern banking system, and they, these guys hated each other. So, so Jefferson would hire somebody and say, and, and Jefferson kept this book, and in this book, any gossip he heard about Hamilton, he wrote down. It didn't matter whether there was any truth behind it, facts behind it, 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 you know, proof behind it. He'd write it down, and and he would take this, and he would pass it along to the editor of this newspaper and say, hey, print it. They didn't have any social media, but they found a way. Hamilton, he didn't even bother finding somebody. He would just write the article himself because he was a really good writer, and he'd put somebody else's name on it. He'd put some... So, some, uh, you, you know, not his real name. He wouldn't use his real name, even though everybody knew where it came in. He'd publish it in the other paper. And they, is it, I, I, want, I mean, there are ways, folks, where it's worse today than it's ever been, but I got to tell you, all people from all times got this thing called sin that runs through the heart of man, Republican and Democrat, even you libertarians. And we're a mess, apart from Jesus. Capitalism's under attack. Democracy's under attack. Not really like, well, in certain parts of the country. And yet it's those very things, and certainly there's places for improvement, but it's those very things that have allowed us to go from where we were beginning of our nation to where we are today and you look at the level of poverty and you look at the level of of um, just racism and, and, and I mean you could own people for crying out loud when this nation was formed and, and, and we've moved to the place today and it's capitalism and democracy that have allowed us to get there I think history is a valuable valuable tool Here's the reason I preached this this morning. I want to read Hebrews 11. You all know we got an election coming up. Okay, I, I thought you probably picked up on that. I assumed you probably had. Can I ask you a question? I'm not going to ask you who you vote, voted for or going to vote for. I, I'm, I'm not going to do that this morning. But I'm, just, I'm curious, if you don't mind telling me. If you do, that's fine. You don't have to. How many of you have voted early? Wow, a bunch. I think I heard the other day that it's... Some people are projecting by the time of the election, which is Tuesday, we're going to have 100 million Americans have voted. Do you know how incredible that is in the, in the history of all humanity? 100 million people. I just asked I ask, um, Alexa this morning what the population of America was because I didn't know, and Alexa knows everything. And she told me it was, I think, Ruthie, help me out. You were sitting there, 315 million? You guys, hang on, we'll find out. Siri, what's the population of America? As of 2019, the population of the United States of America was 328,239,523. See, Siri knows everything, too. 328 million. A third, a third, almost a third of this nation's already voted, is going to have already voted by, by Tuesday. That's amazing. Y'all got a voice. You know how big a deal that is? Do you know how weird that is? How rare that is? How unheard of it is? Because of because of our, our government, our history, our constitution, all the, those things. It's easy to think, I don't even recognize my country anymore, and I certainly get that. And, and I told, here's why I preach by notes, because I tend to, I, I hit rabbit trails.
Socially, I look around America and I don't recognize my country anymore. One of the young ladies who had been in our youth group uh, uh, quite a few years ago, I saw her make a post on Facebook. Um, I'm going to tell you who she was. I doubt any of you would know her. It's been a long time ago. But she made a post on Facebook. And it was said sarcastically, and it went like this. Thank you, President Trump, for hiring or putting in place a misogynistic, racist, um, anti-homophobic uh, Supreme Court justice. Or some, something something like that. Now, listen, I, I watched some of the hearings, and I've listened to the left and the right and their perspective on her, and obviously, socially, they got a very different perspective. But you know, the thing that I, I caught from both, I, I, you really can't challenge her legal ethic, her legal experience, her legal history, her ability to be a judge, and she handled herself very well in the hearings. So what it really all comes down to is you either like her social uh, sense or you don't, and she said, regardless of what I feel like socially, I'm going to say this, if this is the law as written, that's what I'm going to support. I like that. So all I, and, and I'm thinking, all I can figure out is that post comes from somebody who feels like if you happen to believe that marriage is sacred and you believe that God made them male and female and you, it basically, if you happen to believe in fundamental, in the best sense of the word, biblical Christian values and faith, then there's something wrong with you. Now, I don't know that this young lady equated what she was saying to that, but I look at the person she was criticizing and thinking, basically, everything, you, everything I know she believes, or at least I've been told she believes, I pretty well see is written in the Word of God. I don't recognize our country in a lot of ways. Here's what I believe God would have me remind all of us. Hebrews 11.8, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land. Abraham started this thing of faith in a foreign land. In verse 10 it says, For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And this man of faith, who is our father, went to a land that was foreign to him, but he made it through by keeping his eyes upon the city whose maker was God. It goes on and talks about... Abraham and others, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. They desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Now listen to me this morning, Christians. I don't know who's going to win the election on Tuesday. I don't know. Ruthie showed me yesterday a post uh, what was the store, Ruthie, help me out, the store that boarded up on the east side of Indianapolis? What was it? Marshalls boarded up all their windows on the east side of Indianapolis already with expectations that there could be riots. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Um, I, I don't, you know, there's people that are predicting civil war. I pray to God that doesn't happen, and I certainly hope it doesn't happen. We've always managed to get through our differences in a better way than that in the past. 
But whatever happens, can I just say this to you, Christian? And I really believe this is what God, God, God uh, one of the few things he wanted me to say this morning, and that was, regardless of what happens, this is not your home. I don't mean you need to buy a ticket and fly to Canada, all right, like all the Hollywood people do when somebody they don't like wins. I don't mean that at all. I, I mean, even whether it's Donald Trump or it's, um, who's the other guy? Uh, Joe Biden. Uh, <laughs> Or the liber- I don't care if the libertarian wins. I, I don't, I don't even, I'm sure we have a libertarian candidate. Um, listen to me. It doesn't matter. This is not your home. I've heard for the last 30 years, history, this is the most important election we've ever had. And if the other side, regardless of which side you're talking about, wins, America is done for. How many have heard that? It it does not matter whether Joe Biden wins, and I know his name, or whether Donald Trump wins, half of America is going to be unhappy. And and I know that, so y'all don't have to say amen here, but listen to me, there are Christians on both sides of that. Like it or not, there just are. And it's easy for me to say you can't be a Democrat and be a a follower of Jesus Christ. And there are people that have said, do say, will say, you can't be a Republican and and vote for Donald Trump and be 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 a follower of Jesus Christ. We do really well sometimes just to make sure that we got our own life and our own heart in a good place and not get too judgy on everybody else. I mean, we're welcome to our opinions, and I've got them just like you do. I just, you say, yeah, we know. (laughs) That's okay. This is not our home. We're looking for a city whose maker is God. And I think there is value in remembering that. Now, there's a second piece to this I felt like God wanted me to say. Like I said, Tuesday's election day. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Go vote. Those few of you that haven't already voted, go vote. For those of you that have voted, I'm not encouraging you to go vote a second time. That's, I, I, I strongly discourage you from doing that, right? Um, go vote. Participate in the greatest nation this world has ever seen. Go vote. Let your voice be heard however you choose to make it heard, however you choose to vote. Go Go vote. Go vote. Um, inform yourself if all you ever watch is CNN Chris Cuomo Don Lemon broaden your horizons a little bit go watch make yourself do it go watch a little Fox News if all you ever watch is, uh, I don't know, who are those guys on Fox? Um, Carlson, Tuck, Carlson Tucker, Hannity. If all you ever watch is Carlson Tucker and Hannity, then broaden your horizons a little bit. Um, I wouldn't encourage you to go watch necessarily Don Lemon. He's pretty far left. You might break your TV, but go watch some CNN. You know, I've said to this this church more, more than once, I... 
so frustrated with people sometimes over the years. Um, none of you, because you guys are all exceptional, but they come to me and say, Pastor Barry, you've got to preach this, and you've got to believe this, and this is what the Word of God says, and, and they give me a verse. They built their entire life and their entire theology around a verse. I got in the habit of saying, and you've heard me say it, if you're going to come to me and tell me what the Bible says, that's fine, but you make sure that when you come to tell me what the Bible says, you can also tell me what else the Bible says. In other words, don't just come tell me the verse that supports your belief, but come tell me the verse, if you really want to have a conversation, come and tell me the verse that supports the opposite of your belief. Say, Pastor Barry, the Bible doesn't ever do that anywhere. Well, listen, if you believe that, all that tells me is you haven't read your Bible enough. Because there's some, you, if, you haven't, if you haven't heard, life is really complicated. And the Bible addresses a really complicated life. And if you're reading the Old Testament and you're reading the New Testament, you're going to run across stuff in there where you read that and say, okay, it seems like this is what he's saying. And over here you read something that says, no, it seems like he's saying the opposite of that. And you've got to figure out what God's saying. Don't just, don't just tell me what the Bible says. Tell me what else the Bible says. And, and you know what? The Holy Spirit, we do have the Holy Spirit for, the, for a reason. The Holy Spirit will help you work through. The Bible says this, and it says this, and it says this, and it says this. And okay, God, this is what I believe you want me to do and how you want me to live my life. My son, my youngest son, went to ECA, Elkhart Christian Academy, Baptist School in northern Indiana. Believes strongly in um, once saved, always saved and predestination. And he was raised in a Pentecostal Assembly of God home uh, who were very Armenian in our beliefs. And, and, and so he grew up with that and, and he was put into the Baptist school and he had a lot of friends there who had different perspectives. And I remember him coming home and saying to me one day, hey dad, we're having a debate in our, I don't know, Bible class, I guess it was. And they've asked me to take the Armenian side, I think, which is to say that, that, that you can lose your salvation and, and, and the opposite of predestination. And we're going to have a debate and there's another group that's going to debate the other side and, and the, the, we, they want to know if they can come over here and talk to you. Sure. This is what I love to do. So let so let's 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 do this. So they they all ended up sitting in my living room. And can I tell you this morning? Now, now listen to me. Don't get mad at me, okay? Those young men and young women who were a part of this Baptist background school who believed in predestination, who believed once saved, always saved. Do you know they had scripture to support what they believed? It's in there. And what we had to do and what we did do sitting in that living room was, okay, here's the scripture that supports what you believe. Let me, let me show you the scripture that supports what I believe. And I, we talked about this scripture says this, and this scripture says this, and this scripture says this, and, and, and this supports what I believe. And when it was all said and done, every one of us had to do something the word of God tells us to do. Work out your salvation, your own salvation, your personal salvation with fear and trembling. Now, I don't think I persuaded any of them, and I, don't, and I know they didn't persuade me, but it's in there. And when it comes to voting and when it comes to politics, there's value in not only seeing your side, but seeing the other side. There's value in taking your shoes off and putting yourself in another person's shoes, at least to understand. You may not change your mind, but there's value in that. It, we need to be informed voters second scripture I wanted to read this morning is in Jeremiah chapter 29. Um, verse 1. 
this is this is the this is the children of Israel. This is Judah has been carried into captivity because of the evil and the sin in their land. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priest, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. They weren't in their own country. They didn't recognize their country anymore because they weren't in their country. That's the connection I want you to get this morning. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is what he said, okay? Um, Verse 5 of chapter 29, and I believe this is good counsel and good advice to us. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. And I would say this to you, and this is the second thing I really believe I felt God just drop on my heart to say to this congregation, regardless of who wins the election on Tuesday, well, first of all, we probably won't know who wins the election on Tuesday till like Tuesday in January, okay? But regardless of who wins the election, live your lives. Build your houses. Work your jobs. Love your kids. Get a good night's sleep. Rest well. Remember, this isn't your home. Live your life. I think, regardless of who wins Tuesday, Wednesday will come. America will be standing. And if the day comes where America doesn't stand any longer, God's still on the throne. Say, Pastor Barry, you really don't think that could happen? In my lifetime, probably not. Ever? I I don't know. Rome Rome fell. Right? I, I don't know. But this is not my home. I love America. I love my nation. I love my country. I want it here for my kids. I want it to get better and better and better. But if it doesn't happen, God's people are still going to be God's people. God is still going to have a remnant in this world. Christianity is no longer centered in America anyway. It's centered in Africa. It's centered in South America. So live your life. Love your kids. Build houses. Work your job. Love your God. Pray. Worship. You understand what I'm saying this morning? Regardless of what Tuesday brings to us. And there's another piece of this. This home's not my home. But I find this very important in Jeremiah 29.7 where Jeremiah said, look, build your houses, have your kids, get married, do all those things. But in Jeremiah 29.7, he turns around and says this. Oh yeah, and while you're at it, he, he, tell, he tells these captives who are no longer living in their, hand, their own land, they don't recognize the country they're in, He says, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for it 
its welfare, you, in its welfare, you will find your welfare. And, and, and I, I believe that this was another piece of this. This home is not your home. Live your life regardless of what happens. But also, as you live your life, seek for the betterment of your country. Don't check out. My goodness, please, 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 don't, don't check out. Don't just throw up your hands and say, you know what, I'm done voting. I'm done being involved. I'm done having an opinion. I'm done. I'm out. America's no longer America. Seek the welfare of your nation because in its welfare is your welfare. Right? Don't check out. I want to read one more passage. Um, Daniel chapter 1. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn over there with me. Daniel chapter 1. And this is, a, this is quite a few verses, but I want you to pick up on the story here. So I, what I was just sharing in Jeremiah was the prophetic word that came to the exiles after they were in exile for some time. This is the same exile, but this is the initial group of people that are going into exile. Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Many of you know this story. And it picks up in verse 1 in this way, and I'm, I'm going to read a number of passages, or just read through this. I want you to listen and pick up on the story, and then I, I want to share a couple things along the way as I bring this to a close this morning. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. And then the king commanded Asphanaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, used without blemish of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank, and they were to be educated for three years. And at the end of that time, they were to, be, they were to stand before the king. They were to be educated for three years. This was the final thing. We are being re-educated in our nation right now in a number of ways. I've actually heard congresswomen say, I think when Donald Trump loses this election, we need to put into place something to re-educate all of those, and I don't know if she said conservatives or Republicans, actually made that statement. Now, that's crazy. I don't know that that would ever happen. I think she was just shooting off at the mouth and doing what we all have moments to do. I, maybe she believes it. But aside from that kind of far-out-there extremism, I sat... 20 years ago in a human resources meeting at the company I worked for at the time and went through training on how to treat women, how to treat minorities, how to treat seniors. And you know what I thought as I sat, th sat through the meeting 20 years ago? I thought, you know what? I could have skipped all this training because 
basically by just choosing to be a decent human being and having some Christian values, I would never say to a woman or somebody that is a minority or somebody that's older than me any of those things because it's rude, it's just wrong, and it's just common sense. And my mama taught me that when I was in kindergarten, and if she didn't, by the time I got through high school, I had figured it out. But I had also spent plenty of time working in the office environment to know that there were a lot of people that did say those kind of stupid, crude, inappropriate things. So good, good on them that they, they needed to have the training, and I hope they picked up on it. That's not, so, so that's not all bad. But now we're at a place where we're, we've got human resources departments who are training us in things like we've got to, if we, if, and this is, this is more coast-oriented than here, but it's also bigger companies, Google and Microsoft. We've got it going on on the East Coast, West Coast. You've got to acknowledge your white privilege. You've got to acknowledge um, the, the evil. I mean, I'm just going to put it in these terms. The evil in your heart. I, I mean, it's, we're, we're being re-educated. We're being re-educated with what we see on TV. Do you know how many times me and Ruthie have sat and watched a TV series that we have watched for a very long time, and multiple series, and we're watching, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this lady, who has been in this series for three years, has to be kissing this lady. Do you know how many times that's happened? And I'm like, well, there goes another series I probably won't turn back on. Why, why do they do that? And, and you, you know, it's, 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 just, it's so blatantly, obviously, clearly somebody pushing a social agenda because these people have been in this series for, you know, for multiple seasons. There's never been any indication there was any, any romance, and all of a sudden, we're being re-educated. Your kids are being re-educated. Martinsville, south of here, about as not politically correct as any town can be. Has, I, was, I was told that their administrators in the school system have decided they need to cut out some of the extracurricular activities and begin to focus on diversity training for their elementary, middle school, and senior high kids. We're being retrained, re-educated. Now, I find it interesting when I read this. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and the wine that he drank, and they were to be educated for three years. And I'm going to jump ahead here. I'm going to go to verse um, 8. Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. In verse 9, it says, God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. Daniel said, I'm not going to accept your re-education. I'm not going to accept your wine and your drink. I'm not going to compromise my faith. But notice this, verse 15, at the end of 10 days, he, he decided, I'm going to eat what God says I can eat. At the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. In verse 17, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. Now, 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 catch this, okay? God gave them skill 
in all literature and wisdom, not just Hebrew wisdom and literature, all wisdom and literature. And, and, and let, let me just read the last of this, and then I, I want to I finish this and bring this to a close. God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief. Uh, I, sorry, verse 17. God gave him learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. Verse 20. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in his kingdom. And this is the final thing I I wanted to say this morning. Keep in your heart and in your mind, this this is not your home, all right? Seek the welfare of the nation, the city. Um, Live your lives. Uh, Beware of re-education, but realize if you will make a stand, if you will stand upon righteousness, God will bless you. When they tested them, they were ten times better prepared, better educated, deeper in what had to happen than those that were trained in Nebuchadnezzar's methods. Now, now here's, here's what I would say to you. When this world that we live in comes to you and says, I'm going to retrain you, I'm going to retrain your kids, and the things they want to retrain you in is immoral, then put your feet down and say, not in my lifetime. My kids are not going to be taught that. But when this world comes to you and says, hey, we want to teach you about things like you don't speak to other people this way, you treat women with respect. You treat people that you disagree with with respect, even to the point of you treat those that are gay and lesbian and bisexual and all those other things that socially, morally, we, we just, I cannot line them up with biblical values, but at the same time, when they come to your kids and say, treat them with respect, you need to sit your kids down and say, this is what it means to respect them, even if we disagree with them. You understand what I'm saying? When this world comes to you and says, I want to re-educate you, take the good and throw out the rest. Stand upon your biblical, this is what the word of God says. If you're you're telling me that to, to respect you says that I have to look at you and say, I absolutely agree with everything you do and I think the way you're living your life is okay and I think it's wonderful that you and her are in a relationship and getting married and I, I, I think, No. If you want me to treat you with respect as a human being, okay. Right? I don't need to call you names. I don't need to mock you. I don't need to be sarcastic towards you. I I need to treat you with humility and respect. There's nothing wrong with that. When they want to come and teach your kids science, let them learn it. When they want to come and teach your kids math, let them learn it. When they want to come and teach your kids astronomy, geology, and all of those things, let them learn it. God made all those things. And then sit them down and say, take all of those things and realize in the beginning God created Pray with your kids, love your kids, pray over your kids. And you may be surprised, but what God may not take those kids, I know you're going to be like, Pastor Barry, have you met my kid? Take, take those kids and make them ten times smarter. Right? Why don't you stand with me? We're living in 
unusual times. And then again, maybe not. Maybe it's just unusual because of our shortened historical perspective. This world's been pretty screwed up since the fall. That's what I want to do this morning as we dismiss and, and, and let you go. I want us to take a moment. It's 1034, so I'm going to take a minute. And I want us to pray over our country. Can we do that? Can we just pray over our nation? And uh, I'm not going to pray for Donald Trump to win. I'm not going to pray for Joe Biden to win. I'm going to pray for God's will to be done. He's bigger than me, bigger than you. And uh, so let's pray that way. Heavenly Father, we pray over our nation right now. And we certainly have a lot of just open, gaping wounds in our um, social fabric. And there are places where morally this world is just going directions that we that follow the word of God cannot go. And this is my prayer this morning. God, turn us as a nation back to a heartbeat for you. And we have an election coming up, and we have the potential for violence, regardless of which way the election goes. And I pray, I pray let your will be done. I pray on the presidential level, on the, the level of our legislatures, on the level, on the state level, God, let your will be done. And, and you put up, regardless of whether we like them or agree with them or vote for them, you put up and take down men and women as you choose. So that's our prayer this morning. Put up, raise up men and women that you see in one way or another will bring this nation back to you. We pray over our nation. We pray over our country. We pray over our leadership. God, if in, in 60 days we have Joe Biden as president, then Lord, we'll be praying for him as well. And God, we pray today, Lord, let this election that's coming in this week ahead, let it come off without violence and riots and let there be peace bring restoration somehow some way in jesus name amen 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 god bless you guys love you appreciate you and uh go vote just don't do it twice thank you for listening to this week's podcast if you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor@indy.rr.com.